Well, amen. Hey, if you uh, would like to, feel free to be seated here. And uh, we're going to um, dive into our sermon series here in the Gospel of Luke. So if you have your Bible with you, or if you have the YouVersion Bible app on your phone, feel free to turn to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. That's where we're going to dive into today, right where we uh, left off last Sunday. We're going to pick it up in verse 11. Now, just as a quick reminder, Jesus here, he's nearing the end of his ministry here in Luke chapter 17. Uh, Like we talked about several weeks ago, Jesus is heading towards Jerusalem where he will inevitably face the cross. And he's on his way right now, and he is taking every opportunity he possibly can to teach people about what it means to follow him. Take a look here in Luke chapter 17. We're going to take a look at this encounter that he has. Luke chapter 17, starting in verse 11. He says, On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between, Jer- uh, between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a village, he, met, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voice, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, We're not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? He said to them, Rise and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. We're going to talk about this and uh, what this means for our lives today. Before we do that, though, let's just go to God in prayer. I know we do this every Sunday, and we ask God, hey, help us to apply this to our lives. And I know that can kind of get mundane, and it kind of feel like a routine. But I think that's really important. I think it's really important that we take this seriously. This is God's Word, and it is authoritative over our lives, meaning what it says goes. And we want to align our lives with what God has for us, so that we can experience the life that God has designed for us. So let's do that today. Let's ask him for his help with that. Pray with me, if you will. Father, as we talk about your word today, first and foremost, thank you for it. Thank you that we have access to it. And you haven't just left us out on our own, but you've given us your love letter to guide us, to help us, and to show us the life that you have created us to live. Thank you for that. So Jesus, as we talk about this, this encounter that you had with these 10 lepers, I just pray that you would help us to apply your word to our lives. Help us to be obedient to what it is that you have for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, about five or six years ago, my wife and I bought a house, and it's a smaller house, uh, but it has a finished basement, mostly, but it has that one room. You guys know the one room I'm talking about. It's got like the furnace, the hot water heater. It's got crazy pipes that run everywhere, the duct work from the furnace. It's, it's kind of a crazy room. Well, my wife and I, a couple of years ago, had to make our uh, house a little bit more kid-friendly. And so we were looking at this, and there's no doorway from the finished part of the basement to this unfinished part. It was just open, and we thought, man, we really should put a door. We should install a door here so that kids can't just, you know, run back there and, you know, go go crazy back there. So I so, thought, okay, you know, we'll install a door. And so I was looking at it. And at the same time, we need a bookshelf. I thought, here's my opportunity. I'm going to build one of those hidden bookshelf doors. You know, I'm talking about the bookshelf that they move. It looks like a built-in bookshelf. 
and then it moves, and then suddenly there's this hidden like passage way back there, and it's going to look awesome. I don't even have anything to hide, you know. But it's like I just want that. I I, I just want that in my house just because I think it's cool. So I just start looking at pictures, and like they've got the built-in lights. I mean, they've got the trim work all around it, and it looks amazing. And I was like, I'm going to build that. So you know, I'm scratching it out in our kitchen room or on dining room table here, and you know, I'm like drawing on a napkin. I'm like, okay, if you do that, then you do that. Okay, yeah. So I built it and I made the thing but it was really flimsy and it looked like a 12 year old made it. And it looked like a five year old could probably get this thing to come off of the wall. And so I was like, all right, well, I got to beef it up a little bit. So I'm going to build this frame around it. It's going to be awesome. So I used some two by 10, some real manly lumber. You know, I felt like a man going to Lowe's and I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. So I built this and it's awesome. And I painted it and I'm going to be honest looks like a 28-year-old pastor built the thing, okay? It's just, it is it is what it is. It functions, it's sturdy, but it was not what I had in mind when I uh, went out to build this thing, you know? I mean, it's just, it looks and it functions okay, you know? But it's not what I had envisioned. It's not what I thought was going to happen. And sometimes I think when we start reading scriptures, like when we read this story, sometimes we can say, okay, this is awesome. Jesus, he's encountering 10 lepers. This is going to be great. He's going to heal them. Everything's going to be amazing in these guys' lives. They're going to be healed, and they're going to come to faith, and this is going to be amazing. But then when you get to the end of the story, what happens? Well, it says that these 10 lepers were cleansed, right? They went to the priests like Jesus told them to. They were obedient. They were cleansed. And then only one of them comes back praising God. It's kind of a weird story. It's kind of this weird ending. You're like, what happened? Even Jesus acknowledges this, right? One comes back and he's like, where's the, where's the other nine? I mean, I'm, I'm glad you're here, but like, didn't I heal 10 of you? And only one of you came back. You know, it's kind of this strange ending. And yet, despite this strange ending, I think there are several things that this story can teach us about God and our response to who God is. So I want to point out four of those things this morning. Here's the first thing I want to point out. It's right here at the beginning. It says that Jesus, he's on this road. And if you uh, look this up, every scholar will tell you, they'll map it out and they'll say, there's no reason Jesus should be on this road. This is not a direct route. He is taking the scenic route here. Why? Well, I think he's trying to get the most time out of all of this to have the most teaching experiences with everyone that he can. And he's running in to these 10 lepers. It says that as he entered the village, there's these 10 lepers, and they stood at the distance. Now, here's what you have to understand about leprosy, is this is a debilitating disease. What it would do is it would literally uh, deteriorate your skin so far that your nerve endings would no longer work. I'm going to cap it at that so that you don't get grossed out for lunchtime. But what happened is that if your nerve endings no longer work, Typically, what would happen is they would injure themselves very easily. They could uh, not uh, stop themselves from harming themselves. And so they were just ridden with scars. And some people were oftentimes missing limbs or fingers. I mean, it's just a very debilitating disease. And not only physically. I think one of the worst parts about leprosy is that they were actually ostracized out. 
that all these lepers would have had to be outside of the city. And so it says that they were at a distance from Jesus. This is the law. They had to be far away. I mean, talk about social distancing. This is the original social distancing right here. They were at a distance and they're screaming at Jesus. And they're like, hey, we have heard of you and we need your help. I could only imagine the stories that they would have heard that this guy brings dead people back to life. This guy brings blind people sight. I mean, this is amazing. This is their chance. Jesus is passing by and they're saying, hey, I need help. And look at this. This is really interesting to me. Start of verse 14. It says, when he saw them, he said to them, I want to pause right there. Jesus saw them. I wonder how many people just walked by on this busy road. How many people just walked by these lepers and just said, man, that really stinks. Like, man, I never want to get leprosy, right? Let's stay away from these guys and just completely ignored them. And yet Jesus, it says in Scripture, look at this, when Jesus saw them. You know, I think so many times we can be debilitated in our prayer life and in our faith because we don't capture this idea right here that Jesus sees us. The first thing I think that this teaches us, this story teaches us, is that we need to realize that God notices and hears us. That when we're crying out to them, uh, crying out to God, not only does He hear us, He notices us and He wants to help us. I think 1 John really captures this idea really well. Look at what it says. It says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. If we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of Him. Now, I want you to just think about that just for a moment. God notices and He hears you. Look at what this says. If you ask anything according to God's will, He hears us. And we know if He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of Him. I think one of the most powerful prayers that you can pray is to say, God, if this is your will, let it happen. And Jesus even, even asked the Father this, right? Lord, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, if this is your will, make it happen. And here's the amazing thing is that when we do that, we get a sense of peace because we can say, okay, ultimately, if God says no here, we know that it was not his will to make this happen for whatever reason. And sometimes that's really difficult to grapple with, but it's also really peaceful. Because if you trust in God's will, you trust in this sovereign, almighty, good God that we serve, here's the peace that you get. If it's God's will, make it happen. If not, I'm good with it. Because ultimately, I know that God's will is way better than anything that I can dream up in my head. And it gives us a certain level of confidence right here, like it says in 1 John, that we have confidence to go towards God. If you're saying, man, that just sounds arrogant and big-headed, that we as sinful people can go before an almighty God, we have confidence. Look at this. Scripture says it again in Hebrews 4.16. It says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace in the help and, uh, to help in the time of need. We have confidence that we can go towards God. He hears you and he notices you and you can go to him knowing that he hears your prayer. Here's the second thing I want to point out in this story that we just read here. Look at this. It says, when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. Now, 
This is typical of what would happen if you were a leper. If you had this disease, if you had leprosy, you were ostracized, you're out in the leper colony, and if for some reason someone was healed, now this did not happen often, but if for some reason someone was healed, they no longer had this, this debilitating rash that would just ruin you. If for some reason they were, they were healed, what they were to do is they were to go to the priest and the priest would check them out and say, okay, let's check you out. Let's check your skin. Do you have any more rashes? And if they didn't, they would deem them cleansed and they were allowed to go back into society as normal. Now, if you were to go into society as a leper, this is punishable. This is not good. This is not okay. And so as a leper, if Jesus was to tell someone who's sitting here and crying out to him and saying, hey, Jesus, I need you. And he says, hey, Go ahead and go to the priest. I don't know about you, but I think I would be like, uh, there's this giant rash right here. I, I'm not allowed to go to the priest. Can you heal me first? Then I can go to the priest. Then I can be checked out. Then I can be certified. Then I can go back into society. And yet Jesus says, no, 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 go to the priest. Yeah, but I still have this rash. Go to the priest. Yeah, but you don't understand, God. I still have all this. Go to the priest. And look at this. It says, as they went they were cleansed. So if they would have just kept sitting there, they would not have been cleansed. But because they had the faith to say, okay, I'm going to try this. I'm, I'm going to try. I'm going I'm to be obedient. I'm going to listen to what God told me to do. Then because of that, they were cleansed of their leprosy. The second thing that I think that this story to, uh, tells us is that when God instructs us to do something, we need to obey. We need to obey when God instructs us, even if it doesn't make total sense in our heads. You know, we get debilitated a lot because God tells us to do something, and we go, I don't, that doesn't make any sense. There's this guy in the Old Testament, his name is Nahum. I really encourage you, if you have some time this week, read 2 Kings chapter 5. This is really interesting. This guy named Nahum, he's actually a commander of the Syrian army. Now, these guys are enemies to Israel. And in fact, so much so that they captured some Israelites and they had a little Israelite girl and he comes down, Nahum comes down with leprosy, just like we're encountering in this story. And this little girl says to him, he, she says, hey, there's somebody in Israel that can help you. His name is Elisha. He's a prophet and he can help you. Go, go right to him and, and ask him to help you. And so that's exactly what he does. He sends his messengers to Elisha and Elisha says this to them, go and bathe yourself in the Jordan River seven times. Now, it comes back and he says that, it, scripture says that Nahum is just furious. And it makes sense too. There's plenty of rivers in Syria where he is to bathe himself that are far better. The Jordan River, which is in Israel, is kind of a gross river. Honestly, it's uh, not very big. It's kind of, we would uh, honestly probably consider it a creek. Um, you know, out here in like the farmland, there's like some of these like drainage creeks, you know, talk about in the water. It, it's just not like, you wouldn't want your kids playing in it. We'll put it like that, right? I mean, it's just kind of gross water. And that's kind of how the Jordan is. It's dusty. It's dirty. It's not very big. And so he's furious. And yet it says that he did it. He was furious about it. It didn't make any sense. He could have bathed in you know, the rivers that he had. And yet he did it. And he dunked himself seven times. And then it says he was cleansed of his leprosy. Why? because he was obedient to what God told him through his prophet to do. 
And in the New Testament, it equates our relationship with God with obedience to God. In fact, take a look here what Jesus says in Luke chapter 6. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I told you to do? In John 14, 15, he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. This is the scripture that Grace actually read earlier. James 1.22 says, but be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourself. You know, so many of us, um, we can sit in church and we can read God's word and we can listen to it. And intellectually, we can say, yeah, that's that's the right thing. That's correct. Uh, that's, yep, I, I believe that. And yet our lives don't align with intellectually what we're agreeing with. And it says that in James, if we do that, we're just deceiving ourselves. You're lying to yourself. We cannot just intellectually get this. We have to put it into play into our lives. And I think so many times as Christians, we can give a really bad rap to Christianity and to Jesus and actually stop people from coming to Jesus by doing this, by intellectually acknowledging things, but not actually putting this into play in our lives. I think we're going to take God's Word seriously. We have to let it affect our lives and say, God, I need you to transform me to be less like me and more like you. And we're never going to be perfect, right? We're always going to be sinful. We always are going to need Jesus. But we can ask Him to transform us. And then 5, 10, 15 years down the road, we can look back and go, man, Jesus has changed me. I'm not perfect. Jesus has changed me. I'm no longer the man I used to be. I'm no longer the woman I used to be. Jesus has transformed me. Well, a couple more things that uh, I think this uh, story teaches us. Take a look here, starting in verse 15. It says, Then one of them, one of them come, came back when he saw that he was healed, and praising God with a loud voice, and he turned and fell on his feet, at, or fell at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And it says, Now he was a Samaritan. Here's what you have to understand. The Samaritans, these guys were like half Israelites. They were a group of people uh, who were ostracized into a different land. And so some different uh, people intermingled with them. And the Israelites did not like this. They did not like the Samaritans. And so because the Israelites didn't like the Samaritans, the Samaritans didn't like the Israelites. And so what we know then is that these guys, these 10 guys, were probably a mixed uh, group of guys, and they were probably brought together in the leprosy colony. And yet it says that it was the Samaritan that came back. Is the Samaritan that praised God and gave him thanks. Undoubtedly, there would have been Israelites that were healed by Jesus. It was a part of these 10 people. There were undoubtedly Israelites that would have been healed here. And yet it was the Samaritan that came back. That's pretty fascinating. Look what he does. He gives thanks to Jesus. And then Jesus answered. He even points it out. We're not 10 cleansed. Where's the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except the foreigner? He's pointing out this Samaritan. And he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Fascinating what Jesus says here. What I want to point out is that this guy gave thanks to Jesus. And I think what this story is telling us is that we need to be better at giving thanks to Christ. You know, so many times we uh, talk and, and, and we pray about what we don't have. 
And we say, oh, you know what, God, if you would only give me this, if you, only, if you would only change my spouse, if you would make them better, we'd have a better marriage. Or, you know what, God, if you'd only give me more money, uh, then things would be different in my life. And, and we many times don't acknowledge what God has already blessed us with. And we don't thank him for what he's already given to us. In fact, I think um, appreciation and giving thanks to God and appreciating what he has blessed us with can oftentimes change our faith. You know, I think about if we were to pray less about what we don't have and thank God more for what we do have, how it would change our faith to just say, God, thank you. Thank you for what you've blessed me with. Think about how it would change your marriage if you thanked God for your spouse more and complained less. Think about how it would change your relationship with your kids if you thanked God more for them and complained about them less. Scripture constantly talks about thanking God. Take a look at 1 Thessalonians. It says, give thanks, look at this, not in the good times, but in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Colossians chapter 3 puts it very similarly. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Psalm 92 puts it very simply, it is good to give thanks to God, or sorry, to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High. Psalm 106 uh, verse 1 repeats a phrase that is just constant in the book of Psalms. It says, praise the Lord, O give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. They've made countless worship songs about that phrase in the book of Psalms that comes up over and over and over. It will change your faith and it will more than likely change many of your interactions with others if you give more thanks to God, just like this Samaritan did. Here's the last thing that I want to point out to you in this story. One more thing before we end for today. Take a look at verse 14 with me. It says, this is all of them. It says, as they went, they were cleansed. So this is all of the lepers. They went, they were obedient to Jesus, and it says that they were cleansed. Now, remember, the author which God inspired to write this gospel is Luke. He's a doctor. He uses a lot of medical terms. If you look at the original language in the Greek, at this term that they uh, translate to say cleanse, this is a very uh, medical-like term. It's just very simple. It's like saying your cancer is benign, right? I mean, you would only use that in a medical uh, situation. That's like what this is happening. Luke is describing this as a very physical, very medical term. They were cleansed. And we get that, right? I mean, this is a disease and Jesus told them to do that. They were obedient, and so they were cleansed. They were healed of this. But here's what I want to point out to you. The guy that came back, right? The guy that gave praise to God. The guy that gave thanks to God. This Samaritan. Jesus uses a different word. Take a look at verse 19 at the end of this story. It says, And he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you, not cleansed, but they translate this to say, well. If you look at the original language and translate this word, this word actually translates to many different things. You could translate it to well. You could translate it to saved. You could translate it to be made whole. What Jesus is saying here is he's saying, not only are you cleansed of your leprosy, but because you came back, because you had faith, because you praised me, because you thanked me, not only are you physically cleansed from your leprosy, but now you're made whole. 
Now suddenly, it's not just a physical transformation that you have gone through, but it's something so much more. It is a spiritual transformation. This guy had faith. And that's the only thing that made him well. Sure, being obedient made him cleansed from his leprosy, but having faith made him whole. This is the really cool thing that so many of us, I think, miss out on because we're so focused on our earthly outcome. So many times when we pray, right, we say, God, I need this. Just if I only had this, if I only had a different spouse, if I only had more money, if I only had, you know, fill in the blank, if I only had this, then my life would be so much better. But what we fail to understand is instead of that, if we were to just, uh, whatever your will is, make it happen in my life, and I'm more so focused on my relationship with you, my faith in you. That's what really changes us. Here's what I think that this story is trying to tell us, that we need to realize our relationship with God is more important than anything else. It's more important than the healing. It's more important than what God can offer us right here. It's our relationship. That's the most important thing with God. Now, take a look at John 17, 3. This is just so good. It says, and this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This is true life. I don't know about you, but sometimes I think of eternal life as walking on streets of gold and experiencing heaven and the new earth and how awesome it's going to be. But I think what Scripture's definition of eternal life is, right here in John 17, 3, is that we have Jesus as our Lord and Savior that we know God, that we have a relationship with God. And that is how we experience true life, which makes sense, right? Because God designed us all to have a relationship with Him. And He just didn't design us to experience cool vacations or awesome cars or houses or relationships. He he designed us to have a relationship with Him ultimately. And that is what fulfills us. This is eternal life that we have Jesus Christ as our Lord and as our Savior. This is what happens. And I don't know about you, but man, it is just so easy to get bogged down in the mundaneness of life, right? I I don't know about you, but I'm really task-oriented. I'm like, all right, I wake up in the morning. I was like, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. That house needs to be clean. Laundry needs to be done. And uh, then I need to go to work, okay? Now I got all these things. I got my to-do list. I got a whole whiteboard there, and I got all my to-do list there. I got to do this, 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 this. And when I get home, I'm going to do this after dinner, and I'm going to do this, and and then I have the kids go to bed. I'm going to do the project. And man, it's so easy just to get bogged down and go, oh, man. Then I wake up and do it all over, right? It's so easy to get bogged down in that and not just take a moment and say, you know what, God, I'm going to dedicate this to you. It doesn't mean that I don't get those things done, but I'm dedicating some time to you, God. And ultimately, my relationship with you is more important than anything that I can accomplish here on earth. I'm going to focus on that. And that is how I experience life, not by getting things done, but by having a relationship with God, by having that faith aspect. Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God, this is so good, whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. I don't know about you, but at the end of the day, 
if I get a ton of stuff done, I feel okay. Like, all right, everything got crossed off the to-do list. That's great. That, that's awesome. It's a good, good day, right? But even if I don't, because maybe I spent some extra time with the Lord that day and something didn't get done. I don't know about you, but I feel so much more peaceful if I invested into my relationship with the Lord. Even if things don't get done, there's a certain peace that comes along with that to say, this is how you designed me to live, God. This is how you designed me to live, to walk with you. And there's a certain amount of peace that comes with that. There's these few things I, I think we can take away from this. But I think that this life, this life-giving aspect that Jesus has is the biggest thing that we learn from this story. That Jesus came to offer us life and life to the fullest, as it says in John 10.10. I don't know about you, but I want to experience that. I want to experience that this year. In 2022, I want to experience the life that God created me to live. He gave you this life, and he says, I want to have a relationship with you. And the choice is ours. And the problem comes, I think, so many times in the good times. I mean, think about this story. At the beginning, all 10 lepers cried out to him, right? In our distress, it's really easy to cry out to God, right? We need something. But what about the good times? What about after you're healed? It said that only one came back. I wonder if those statistics would be similar to today, that in the good times, only one comes back. Only one comes to God. I think about some of the troubles that we all go through. I think maybe sometimes in life, those troubles are what keeps us connected with God. And sometimes I think, man, maybe I need to thank God for some of those troubles. Maybe I need to thank God for some of those difficult times because it's actually causing me a deeper relationship with Him. And ultimately, that's what's most important. That's what's going to last to eternity. This is eternal life that we know God and Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. That's how we experience life. And I don't know about you, but man, I want to spread that to everyone I come in contact with. I think when we truly experience that, it changes us, and we can spur others on to have that same life, to experience what God has designed us to experience, which is true life. Not just life in eternity, but eternal life, right? When we can experience eternal life right here, right here on earth, if we know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. So here's my encouragement to you. First and foremost, if you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, today's your day, January 2nd, 2022, to choose Him, to accept Him as your Lord and Savior. And if you already do, try not to get bogged down with life, but experience God. Give thanks to Him. Be obedient when He instructs you to do something. Realize that He hears you, He notices you, and that ultimately your relationship with Christ, that's the most important thing in your life. And it affects everything else that we experience. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you so much for your word this morning. And as we've talked about it, Father, I, I pray that we would experience this life that you have designed us to live, that you have given to us freely. All we have to do is accept the free gift that you're giving us through the sacrifice of your son on the cross. 
God, I pray if there's anyone here who doesn't know you yet, who has not accepted you as their Lord and Savior, that today would be their day, that they would accept you, that they would be saved, and that they would experience true life. And Father, I pray for all of us here who have, who have accepted you, Father, that we would experience life, that we wouldn't get bogged down with the earthly tasks, but Father, we would recognize our relationship with you is our, the most important thing. And Father, would, would we just invest into that and we would experience the life that you have given us, that you have designed us to live. Help us to do that and help us to spur it on with others as well. Jesus, we love you because you first loved us. Thank you for dying on the cross, for making a way for us to have a relationship with you in the first place. Thank you so much for the sacrifice that you've given to each and every one of us. Help us not to take it for granted, but to have it affect our lives, to leave this place and not just be hearers of your word, but doers as well. Jesus, thank you so much. We pray all this in your name. Amen.